the uh, first service, they, they got through it with me, trying to, trying to work through the thoughts and ideas of another. But we're in the middle of a series called Gifted. And, and we're going to pick it up again this week. We're talking through uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. Last week we, we started off and kicked off this idea. And here's the simple of it, is that maybe this Christmas that the greatest gift you find isn't necessarily at Yonkers or at the mall or any place like that. Maybe the greatest gift that you find is actually what's in you. And you discover and realize what that is. Last week we talked about all of us having spiritual gifts, that we have this thing in us that God has placed within us for others' benefit, not our own benefit, that He's created that and done that. It's a spiritual idea. And so today... Last week, we kind of zeroed in on a little thought. I mean, not little like in scope, but little in the sense that it was specific and personal. This week, we're going to zoom back out and actually look at what is called the body, which is the body of Christ. Uh, it's kind of a weird term. You know, sometimes you can understand it as being the church. Sometimes you can understand it as being uh, God's expression through His people. I mean, those are kind of thoughts that you, you get when you start thinking about the body of Christ. And so, that's what we're going to talk about today. So, you know, today we're going to talk about the body. And, and when I think about uh, the body, the first thing that comes to my mind is all the things that are wrong. Right? I mean, right now I've got, I got bad shoulders going on. I've got this little sciatic nerve thing. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, dude, I'm only in my 40s. I don't know if I'm going to make it to my 70s at this pace. You know, that kind of thing. You know, and you realize you got all these ailments. you got all these things. i got this funky thing going on with my glasses now. All of a sudden, I can't see close. And somebody said the B word, I'm like, you got to be kidding. Bifocals, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you got to be kidding, that ain't happening to I me. Mean, so we got all these issues, right, and a lot of times we know in the natural realm that there's this body dysfunction thing that starts happening, and, and so, so there's a big idea that goes with this. But today we're going to talk about how specifically the body of Christ is, is supposed to function and work and how it's interrelated and connected together, that, that somehow we understand we've got a role to play, that we've got a place that we're part of this big thing called the body of Christ. And so we're going to kind of walk through some scriptures uh, in Corinthians 12. It's like the second part of chapter 12. I encourage you to read those whole, that whole portion again, 12 and 13. Next week, that's where we're going. But uh, I'm just going to kind of fill it in, you know, and, and last week, again, I'm jumping all over the place trying to get my thoughts together going here but last week we talked about spiritual gift that you are gifted that God has placed within you this gift that only you have in other words God has created you special and unique and it's for others benefit that you would get that the next part of that is we understand that I have this gift that I'm supposed to re-gift it in other words it's supposed to not just be something that comes in or I recognize it's in me but now I'm supposed to give it away and so we're going to talk a little bit how that body function happens. So let's just try to fill in the blanks here a little bit. Uh, what does it mean for you and I to be a part of the body? What's that mean? I mean, you know, when you, when you say the body of Christ, what's that mean? And, and hopefully we can see some of that. The first thing it means is this, is that we realize that you and I, we're, we're in this thing together, we're created to be a part of the body, not separate from it. In other words, we're, we're not supposed to be islands to ourselves. We're not, we're not supposed to just do life by ourselves. It's, alone is not part of the plan of God. 
For you and I, I mean, if you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, he created Adam and, and he said it's not good for man to be alone. In other words, this whole idea that there would be this togetherness that happens. And we have to realize that, that you and I were created to be a part of the body. In other words, God shaped you, made you, formed you, all the things that you are today so that you would actually fit together with other people. And specifically in the church, specifically in the body of Christ. There's a scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, that starts out, it says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. In other words, it all connects. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, in other words, what he's saying is no matter what your background is, no matter where you come from, no matter what you, you know, you're, wait a minute, you don't know how dysfunctional I am, you don't know what I've dealt with, you don't know, doesn't matter, no matter where you come from, and that we are all given the one spirit to drink. In other words, when it says drink, it means that we're able to participate. All of us are able to participate in this same thing that God is doing. And so if you're here today and you're like, oh, I'm not really sure if I'm a follower of Christ or I'm just kind of checking it out, that's cool. But once you decide to become a follower of Christ, you step into this arena, if you will, where everybody is connected and they have a place and a role and a part to play in this whole thing. And so we understand that and we realize that we're created to be a part of the body, not to be on some kind of island all by ourselves. Now, um, this is where I get, because I've got to read my notes and, and see where I'm at real quick here. I'm just skipping on. You're going to get the blanks filled in today. I guarantee it. <laughs> I guarantee it. Let's go to the second one. So that's the first one. You realize that you're created to be a part of the body, and it's not, you're, you're not set apart. The second one is this, is that you and I are vital. In other words, we, we have a specific role that only we can play. And, and, and so it reads in verse 17 of the chapter that we're looking at. It says, if the whole body were an eye, there would be no, where would the sense of hearing be? And I thought about this as I was reading it earlier this morning. I was like, you know, could you imagine if everybody was like me? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty scary, isn't it? So you're going, wow, man, that would be one messed up world, right? I mean, no Christmas shopping would ever happen. I mean, you know, I, I would, there would never be a wing ding because I love a wing ding. Just want to let everybody know that. I don't. I, I can't stand I, I I don't like wing dings. But could you imagine if every one of us was exactly the same? I mean, it, it would just be a nightmare. I mean, some of us would say, oh, man, well, I, I wish everybody was just like me. And we're like, yeah, right, that's why we don't want to be like you, because that's, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you are vital. And then it goes on. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has ranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And see, the whole point is this, is that you have this important role, this vital role to play in the part in the body that nobody else can play. I'm, there's only one of you. You're it. You're a one of a kind. You, you were created with a special fit, a special match, and a special way that you do what you do and how you interact and your giftings and your makeup and how you fit into this piece of the puzzle called the body of Christ. It's, it's only you. I mean, there's nobody else can do what you can do. 
And so when we begin to understand that, wait a minute, maybe I have a role. Maybe I have a place that I can play. And I know the answer. The answer is yes, it's most definitely true that you do have a role to play. Matter of fact, when it's not happening, it's not working the way it should be. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. So this idea that you are vital and you, we need to know our role and that we need to be connected in a way that we're supposed to be connected. The next one is this, is that we need to see the value of everyone else's role. We need to understand that, that everybody has this unique, vital role, but everybody else's role is just as important as mine. A lot of times what happens is you think, well, man, if you're the pastor in the church, then it's a big deal. Yeah, I'm just the guy that has to get up in front every once in a while. I'm really no different than you. I'm, re- I'm really no different than any of us sitting in this room as far as in relationship to the body of Christ. I'm just one part of the body of Christ. But a lot of times what we do is, is we elevate the things that are up front and we think, oh, that's so much more better. And when in reality, it's not. There's, there's nothing necessarily better about me or about you because somehow I'm up front and you're not or vice versa or however that works. That's not. There's value in every person in every place in the body of Christ. So it, it reads like this. If it, I got my notes here. I'm sorry. Uh, it says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. In other words, there's, there's this understanding. That there's, a, there's a connection that happens because we both have value. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. In other words, the things that many times that we don't think matter that much at all are actually the most important things. Actually, the things that maybe the behind-the-scenes things or the things that the body of Christ does that necessarily not everybody knows or sees, but that's what makes the body function the way the body functions. It actually becomes even more important because it's not about the glamour of it, it's about the effectiveness of it as a whole. And it reads on, it says, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. And then the second part of verse 24 says, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. And it's kind of an interesting thought because what God does, and he doesn't look into it, man, Pastor Troy, man, he rocks. I love Pastor Troy. But you know, that one over there, I don't really love her because she just makes cookies. God. God actually kind of flips the tables, and a lot of times he says those that think they're somebody are actually nobody, but things that people that are just serving in different capacities and different roles in different places are actually the somebody with God because he elevates people to certain levels of value. And so there's this economy that happens with God that's different than our normal economy. So, but God has put together the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts, and here's the word, should have equal concern for each other. In other words, every one of us matter. Every one of us has this incredible value to, to the body of Christ that if somehow one of the pieces isn't there, then all of a sudden it's messed up. And see, this is my thought, and, and here's how it is. I think God has positioned us as a church, and I keep mentioning it, and if you're here just visiting, just hear me out for just a second. I believe that God has positioned us here as a church that we would begin to understand that we have an opportunity and a role to change a community for Christ. I mean, all of a sudden, that somehow God would get a hold of our hearts, but it's not going to happen because we go, yeah, that's awesome, we believe that. It happens because all of a sudden we all realize that we have value and place and we're vitally important to making that happen. 
That it's got to happen because we get a hold of this concept or this idea of vitality and realize I can't do it on my own. It's not a lone thing. It's a vital thing. It's a valuable thing. I can't say to the eye, it doesn't matter the foot. I can't do that. Could you imagine if nobody did anything here at Southridge? I, I mean, could you imagine that? If nobody did anything. I mean, you're like, you know what happened? Well, somebody go, yeah, dude, we'd watch a movie. Right? <laughs> We're here. But I, I heard a, a, of a church, a pastor, uh, they were having problems with the church not functioning as the body should function, everybody doing their part and doing their piece. And he said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have what we kind of call the no-serve day. They didn't announce it. They didn't say anything. They just said, we're going to have a no-serve day. But they told all of their workers that they were off for a day. Everybody. Everybody that did anything from parking lot to stage setup, nobody did anything. And so people showed up to drop off their kids, and there was no place to drop them off. They're like, Pfft what the heck is going on here? They come in and they're looking for cookies. They're pounding on the table. Cookies, cookies, cookies. There was no cookies. There was no coffee. There was nothing. I mean, they, they walked into the main room and the lights were kind of just like plain and blank. There was no stage and there was nothing. No mics, no soundboard, no nothing. No instruments, nothing. They're like, what's going on? And the pastor gets up and it was a big church, like 2,000 people. And they, he gets up and he goes, hey, I don't know if you can hear me way in the back because I don't have a microphone today. Uh, but we're doing a no-serve day. <laughs> Everyone's like, what? A no-serve day? Yeah, because you don't realize all the time how big an impact people make when they come together to do what they're supposed to do. You take all the pieces out and you go, oh, man, that's crazy. Because there's value in every part. There's value in every part. It'd be a disaster, you know. The other, the other thing that's important about that text that we read is that th this whole idea that God put us all together, that we understand equalness, is that there wouldn't be any division. In other words, we don't start clustering and clicking together as a group because we all understand that we have value no matter who you are or where you're at in the whole thing. Which, I tell you what, nothing will ruin a church quicker than a bunch of people think they're better than somebody else. Or think they know something better than everybody else. When you start understanding, hey, this is where God created us to be. Then it leads us into the next one, and that's this. Is when you hurt, we all hurt. That's how the body's supposed to function. When you hurt, we all hurt. And when you win, we all win. Matter of fact, let me, let me read the text here. It says in verse 26, it says, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. In other words, when we understand that that's how the body's supposed to work, that when somehow we're hurting, there should never be a time in the body of Christ, in this body idea that God has done, that you're hurting and nobody knows about it. Because if nobody knows about it, it means we're not connected. But if we're connected the way we're supposed to and we're loving the way we're supposed to and we're involved in people's lives, when somebody hurts, we all hurt. A few weeks ago, we had one of our, our, our worship team members pass away unexpectedly. And it hurt. I mean, it was one of those things where the family was going through difficult times, still is in certain ways, and, and wrestling through that. And all, man, and all of a sudden, this whole herd of people gathered around them. Why did they gather around them? Because when somebody hurts, we all hurt. And we get that. And because we, we understand that when we're connected, the more connected you are, the more pain you feel when something gets hurt, part of you. And that's healthy. That's how a church should operate. That's how we should operate as a church. I was thinking about it a few years ago. I, uh, I was working at Kmart like several years ago. We're talking a long time ago when I was in college. And I was trying to get my way through, and, you know, and I was a stalker 
You know, not stalker like I'm looking for you. Like a stalker, I was putting things on the shelf. All right? And so I'm stocking the shelves, and I'm back in the back, and I'm box cutting, cutting boxes open. And, and I had one, you know, box cutter. And for whatever reason, when I went to cut one time, the blade came out, you know, razor blade, brand new blade, came out of the cutter and stuck upside down in the box at the same time when it came out. And I just pulled my knuckle right across it. Just full force, like that. Like, ooh, that probably hurt. You know, and I looked down, and my pinky was kind of hanging down. I mean, I about whacked it off. And so I grab it, you know, I mean, I put it, you know, I was like, oh, man. And so I go to the hospital, and I get there, and, and, and you know, bless them, pumpkin heart, emergency room people and nurse, and I'm in there. And she's got my hand up on a thing right here, and they give it a bunch of shots so I can't feel it anymore. And it's kind of all messed up. Well, she takes these reverse pliers, and she's opening it up, and she's going like that. You see that tendon right there? I'm going, dude, that's got to hurt, you know. And she says, you see those veins right there? We, we, you see, see that right there? I mean, she's going through all see this. See this? She's pointing out the whole time. I'm going, man, that's got to hurt. That's got to hurt, you know. And she's going through this whole thing because they had to stitch it up. She said, you know, if you would have had that cut a quarter inch this way, we probably wouldn't be able to sew this back on. You know, if it would have been over this way, we wouldn't be able to do anything different and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm going, well, this is one of the only times this has ever happened to me. So I'm looking at it, and she's going right there, and I'm going, yeah, yeah. Whew, man, that's got to hurt. Whew, man, man, man. <laughs> and I passed out. I woke up, you know, a little bit later, and it's all stitched up, bandaged up, and I'm thinking, what in the world happened? My body couldn't register how much it was supposed to hurt because they were giving me the mess, and it wasn't making sense in my mind as we're looking at all the tendons and stuff like that, that it should have been hurting, but it wasn't because I was deadened or didn't sense, be, I wasn't sensitive to what was going on because I couldn't tell the connection. And here's the point. The point is this, is a lot of times... When people are hurting, we're not connected enough and we can't sense it enough to realize what's actually happening. The function of the body of Christ is that when we hurt, we all hurt. When things are difficult, we know it because we're connected. Now, if for some reason you feel alone right now, part of the reason you might feel alone is you're just not connected. I mean, because if you're going through difficult times, you're going through crazy, difficult, crazy, uh, you know, whatever times, and nobody knows about it, then... For you, the body isn't working because you haven't connected yourself the way you're supposed to connect or people haven't connected with you. And so when we hurt, when one, one of us hurts, when you hurt, we all hurt. When one wins, we all win. And here's the other side of this. Is that when somebody's doing great and, and thinking life is happening, man, we need people high-fiving. You know, we, we need those people who say, man, you're awesome. And I'm excited for that opportunity for you. I can't believe, man, that is awesome. Wow. Go for it. Cool. Man, good job. You know, all those kind of things. Because when one of us wins, we all win. And I was thinking about this, and I, I mentioned it at first service. I want to mention it here. Because a lot of times we celebrate the wrong things. You know that? We need to celebrate things like character and decisions and heart and attitude. Because a lot of times what we celebrate, we celebrate accomplishments. You know, we celebrate beauty, which is so shallow. You know, I mean, it, we celebrate all the wrong things. And when somebody wins, in other words, we should be, when somebody makes a hard decision that you knew it was a hard decision, but it was the right decision, that's when we need to celebrate the most. 
When somebody has a heart and an attitude in a situation that was like just out of the park and you're like, man, I can't believe that happened in your life and that situation was taking place and that was your attitude, man, I want to high five you for that. That is awesome. But so many times we, get the, we, we focus on the external look and we focus on the accomplishment and we miss the person. And so when we all hurt, we hurt. And when we all win, we win. We need to celebrate the wins that people have in their lives. So look for somebody. I, I encourage you over the next few weeks especially, look for those kind of wins. Look for the time when people make the right decision. You're like, yes. For the attitude, the heart, those kind of things, the character that actually matters. Look for those kind of things. Next one is this. Is, uh, actually, not the next one, but, but let me go down and talk a little bit about so how do we position ourselves to do all these things? So the things we just walked through right there, what does it mean for you and I to be a part of the body? It means that we realize that, that we can't just be separated, you know, and, and not set apart. We, we know that we're vital, that we have this role. We understand that we have value and everyone else does at the same time. And then when we all hurt, I mean, when we hurt, we all hurt. When we win, we all win. But let's talk just for a few minutes about position ourselves, position ourselves to actually be what God created us to be. Can we do that? Here, here's the first one. We each have a, a responsibility. And by the way, this is all coming from a text in Luke where it describes Jesus growing up. Jesus is growing up in stature and wisdom and favor with God and men. That's the verse. And really what it means is he's becoming what God created him even to be, even though he was God. Kind of a weird little thought. But this idea that's taking place, that there's a development process to fulfilling or being what we're supposed to be. So here's the keys to position ourselves to, to, as the body to fulfill our purpose. The first one is we each have a responsibility to grow in wisdom. To just simply grow in wisdom. To understand that, and not just knowledge, because it's one thing that if you know everything, it's another thing if you actually do it. I think most of us, we would agree that really what we need is not no, more knowledge, we need more practice that actually matches what we already know. I mean, it's not a matter of, man, I wish I knew all about that. I knew all about that. Most of us, if we would just take what we already know to be true about God and relationships and life and just apply it, we'd probably have enough to do for the rest of our lives. Right? So somehow the wisdom in this is, Lord, I want to be in the body of Christ. I want to apply what you're giving me. In other words, I want to grow in that. Charles Spurgeon, who is a great orator from last century, he said this, wisdom... Is the, is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. That's not the criteria. Many men know a great deal and are, under, uh, and, and, excuse me, and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great as a fool as a knowing fool. <laughs> In other words, they know what is right and they don't do it. They know what to be true and they don't follow it out. They don't, they don't live that. There's no wisdom there. And he goes on, but to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. And so the first thing for us to do if we're going to function the way God is, is actually take the things that I know to be true, know to be actual, know to be factual, and say, okay, this is where I'm going. I'm going to live this bad boy out. There is the wisdom that God wants me to have to grow up and be what God created me to be. The second one is this. It's to find the missing body parts. <laughs> it's kind of a weird thought, but here, here's the idea. Is it, I believe... Many times why the church or the body doesn't become or grow the way the body is supposed to become or grow is because we're missing body parts. 
There's people that are sitting on the sidelines, or maybe they're not even here yet, or somehow or some way they're not connected yet to the body of Christ, or they haven't made themselves available to the body of Christ, and so they're missing out. And so this whole idea that I'm completely available for God to use me becomes a very powerful point in becoming what God wants me to be in the body of Christ. So finding the missing body parts. The third one is this, is submitting to the head. Submitting in, to the head. It says in the text in Luke, it says that Jesus grew in favor with God. It's an interesting thought because what it really means is he grew to understand what it meant to be in submission to God. He grew and he understood what it means to be bowed down before God. And here's, here's the challenge. Many of us struggle to find what it really means to be a part of the body of Christ is because we're focusing on independence and not dependence. We're focused on me instead of him. We're focusing on what I want instead of what he wants. And, and for some reason, it messes it all up. It's like, it's like having a body part that has no control. It just does whatever it wants to do, whatever it wants to do. You know, you're at home eating your bowl of cereal and just kind of eating away, and all of a sudden you scoop up a big bowl of it and you just flick it across the table, whoever's on the other side. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, bummer. <laughs> so it just does whatever it wants to do, whenever it wants to do it, you know. Just, it's in its own world. Or, or you go to Target and you're checking out and you're, you get to about done and all of a sudden you kind of just look at the cash register person and you slap them across the face. Oh, pff, bummer. <laughs> Every once in a while, I don't know, it just kind of gets away from me. <laughs> we think, man, that's ridiculous. That's stupid. That body shouldn't function right that. I mean, it, you know, you just randomly do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. No, because the, the parts of our body understand that they're subject to the head. And so many times spiritually we miss that out. We miss that because we don't understand what it means to be submitted or under the control of the head, which is Christ. And so to be the part of the or be the body that Christ created us to be, to live out this giftedness is actually to find ourselves in a place of submission. Now, I know what happens whenever you say that word. People get upset in the church today whenever you say things like submit or bow or anything like that. You know why? It's because our culture is inundated with this idea of be your own person. Just be who, be, be who you want to be. Do what you want to do. Go where you want to go. An army of one. I mean, we just pump it, pump it, pump it, pump it, pump it. Get what you want. Get everything out of life for you. And it's all about that. And so when Christ comes along and he says, wait a minute, your real place is to be connected to this body of Christ and the head is Jesus and you have to submit. You're like, ah, I don't like that. Because it fights against our nature that we're being taught and part of right now. But to get there, submitting to head, growing in favor with God, it's understand, hey, I'm, I'm not going to just let it fly. I'm going to bow down to his authority in my life. The last one is this. Sacrifice. We're getting some tough ones here. Sacrifice. The whole life of Jesus goes to one pinnacle point, and that is the cross. Everything that Jesus came to do, because you think about it, Jesus is the head of the body, and we're the body of Christ. So everything's got to be connected to what he was actually doing, right? I mean, it's not like, okay, it's, we're somewhat some separated from that. This whole idea revolves around this word sacrifice. Now, here's the deal. This is why I mentioned the first service, and I think it's important today. Some of us have... have let me back up. 
how many of you would like to be in a place where you have all kinds of prosperity? Just, I'm not, I'm not going to give you a prosperity message right now. I mean, you're like, yeah, where do I sign up? You know, that kind of thing. How many of you would like to have just crazy power in your life? Just power. I just like to have power. Things change things. Things see things change. How many of you like to have a position? Not an ego position. You just like to be in a position of of influence, and you'd like to you'd like to be in that position. Yeah, right. We like that. Here's what happens though. A lot of times we go chasing after prosperity, position, and power, and we can't seem why seem why it's always just outside of our grasp. It's just always just a little bit further than we can reach. It's, we're always chasing it. We're trying to get prosperity. We're chasing after it. Man, I just, I'm going to get more money, more, you know, more of this, more wealth, more all this kind of stuff. And we're chasing after it. Or the position. I wish people would just listen to me. <laughs> I always tell Jennifer that. Just, just listen to me. No, I don't. She tells me that. Anyway. So, but, I mean... We're always chasing after this position and this power and this prosperity. We're always reaching and running after it. And you can't quite seem to figure out why we don't get it. And it goes back to this idea of what it means to fulfill the body of Christ in relationship to God. And here's what it is. Position, power, and prosperity are byproducts of something greater. And here's what they're byproducts of. They're byproducts of things like sacrifice, suffering, and servanthood. See, a lot of times we want, we want the end result, but we're not willing to actually give what it takes to get the end result. And see, the only way you and I can ever get to the point where we're like, hey, God, I want you to do this, and man, I want you to do this. And he's like, yeah, but here, follow my example. What I did is I sacrificed, I went through some suffering times, and I was a servant to all. <laughs> Seriously? Give me plan B. I don't really like that one. <laughs> I'd like a different way. No, he said, if you want position, you want power, you want prosperity, you want all those things that you're always reaching after and you want to see happen in your life, the only way you get there in the body of Christ or in in life is you learn and understand what it means to sacrifice. You're like, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you talking about? He said, if you lose your life, you'll, anybody know what it says? You'll find it. If you give it up, you're going to find it. And a lot of times what we're doing is we're trying to get, 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 and we can't seem to get it because we're going about it the wrong way. It's giving it away. And so when you come back to the body of Christ, you realize that the whole thing in the body of Christ doesn't work because I'm trying to get something from the body of Christ. I'm actually going to find it when I begin to give something to the body of Christ. Because it's all from sacrifice. See, Jesus, Jesus is the epitome of that. I mean, he's the picture of that. Let me throw out one more thought here and then I'll wrap this up. Is that at the point of your greatest sacrifice. What was Jesus' greatest sacrifice? I mean, you guys know, you don't have to answer. It's the cross. At the point of your greatest sacrifice, you will find your greatest deliverance. See, a lot of times what's, what's happening is we want something to happen in our lives. We want God to do something significant in our lives, but we give nothing to it. We want God to do something cool in the church or cool in our family, but we're not sacrificing anything. In other words, we're not giving anything up. We're not laying anything down. And at the point of my greatest sacrifice, God provides the greatest deliverance. And see, some of us, that's the struggle that's going on constantly in our lives. We're wrestling with this all the time because we're doing this instead of this. 
We're always trying to gather instead of give. We're always trying to gain instead of release. And we can't figure out why doesn't that work. It's because that's part of the answer right there is this idea of submission and sacrifice and finding, oh, and by the, oh I almost, I'm sorry, I almost skipped one of your fill-in-the-blanks, didn't I? See how you, your peace in the body can gain favor with the world around you. And actually, the, the idea, gain favor is the, is the phrase, is simply this, is that when you begin to do the things that I'm talking about, all of a sudden you have position with the people around you. They notice you. They see that something's happening in your life. They see that something's happening at Southridge. Because here's what I'm thinking happens. We start to realize, God, this is what you want to do in our midst. All of a sudden, people notice. All of a sudden, we begin to get favor and people begin to see that, man, God's doing something. So let me wrap it up. I have the worship team come. So what, what about you today? What about you today? Where, where are you at in this whole process? I mean, when we're sitting there talking about the body, you're like, eh, whatever, that's just a churchy little phrase. Or do you realize that maybe you have a vital, valuable role to play in the church and in the body of Christ? Because last week we talked about the spiritual giftedness, and that giftedness is supposed to be connected and interrated, inter- interrelated so it makes a difference in the world around us. You know, right now, here's an interesting thought. There's 160 to 175, 80,000 people in Sarpy County. That's a lot of people. You know? I mean, that's, that's probably... It's a lot of people. <laughs> How's that? Out of that number, statistics show, and I used to do this all the time because I used to be a part of helping new churches get started, and I had to do all kinds of stuff stats and stuff like that and figure out and I found out and one of the main reasons why we're here in this county is because Sarpy County is the most unreached county in the entire state of Nebraska did you know that almost 61 percent roughly have no religious affiliation in Sarpy County you're like what in the world how'd that happen it's it's an amazing stat I mean this it's Sarpy County and Saline County which is actually a county over by Lincoln which is just south and it's where Crete is and that totally un- makes sense because the whole county is full of bohemian bohemian people if you're bohemian you know exactly what I'm talking about stubborn <laughs> stubborn stubborn and then there's Sarpy County Sarpy County is waiting for a person like you and a church like us to make a difference. That's the body's job. But I've got to say, okay, God, here I am. Here, here, here's my life. Here's, here's who I am. Use me. I, I, I'm not going to look down on anybody. I'm not going to look up. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And so you've got to make that It's that realization. It's that decision. It says, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I don't know where we're going as a church over the next year. We've been going five and a half years now. I don't know where we're going for the next five years, but I know if we're going to go anywhere, this has got to be a big deal. That the body functions like a body. That the body does what the body does. Not slapping checkers at the Target Center. Can't happen like that. So my simple challenge to you today is make a decision. Lord, I want to be all that you want me to be in this body. I don't, want to, I don't want to be sitting on the sideline. I don't want to walk away from it. I want to be right in the middle of what you're doing. I want to be a part of that. That's what I want to do. That's the challenge. 
Lord, today, we simply raise our hands and our hearts and our lives to you and say, God, here's my sacrifice. Here's my life. God, use it for your purpose and your body so that you can do what you want to do. Lord, forgive us, God, for the things that we've been trying to do in our own power, our own strength, in our own way. God, forgive us. But today, help us to just be surrendered and submitted to what you're doing. May we be the body that honors you. In Jesus' name, amen.